Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. And welcome back to another episode of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. I'm your co-host, Jason Anthoin. Uh, my day job is to run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. You can find out more at thinkaudacity.com. Uh, your co-host for this podcast is Madeline Temple. Madeline, tell Thanks, us about Jason. it. Thanks, Jason. I'm the global brand and communication strategist behind Collective Identity. I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do in a clear, simple, and true way to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. Well, uh, that's quite a tall uh, order for folks to uh, try and accomplish, so... Hats off to you for being able to do that. Before we get into this episode, uh, Madeline, why don't you tell us a little bit about how we even came up with this? Well, it's interesting. They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it turns out that most people don't wake up every morning saying to themselves, how can I do something bad today? Or how can I really mess things up for my company? So with that in mind, how can companies actually start to do better? And what does it mean to do better for employees, for customers, suppliers, partners, or investors? In a world where your efforts are going to be called out and commented upon positively or negatively, go social media, where do you start? And it turns out that maybe the answer isn't about focusing on doing more good. Maybe it's about how companies can do less bad. So on this week's episode, we're talking about the S in ESG. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. The S, or social in this case, that we're focusing on is specifically about how companies have been helping their employees who are working from home uh, during COVID-19 and helping them feel less isolated uh, and hopefully more connected. But before we get into those examples, Madeline, tell us a little bit more about what ESG is all about. Well, as you mentioned, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And what we've been seeing, for instance, the CFA Institute says that investors are increasingly applying these non-financial factors as part of their analysis process to identify material risks and growth opportunities. So companies, investors out there are looking at companies who are particularly paying attention to how they can help within the areas of environmental, social, and hopefully governance as well. And those companies that are paying attention to it, that are putting money and efforts toward it, are the kind of companies that these investors are looking for. So it's an interesting way for companies to think about doing better or doing less bad, but actually being rewarded for it. That's great. You know, a lot of times you try to do the right thing, but it's not necessarily the profitable thing. Um, so it, I think, uh, as that uh, definition points out, you can actually do good and also have that be profitable as well. You can. In fact, I came across this really fascinating article on Bloomberg from August 14th that was called, Helping Single People Deal with Isolation is Good for Everyone. And this got me thinking about a couple things. One is, you know, ESG is about how doing good, or in our case, less bad. But it's not only good for environment communities, it's also very good for business. So the companies which are focusing on managing sustainability and risks have actually started to have higher valuations. 
And in a very strange twist, this reminded me of the Friends episode. We're not even going to get onto why Friends. <laughs> but there's an episode in Friends where Joey tells Phoebe there is no such thing as a selfless good deed. That the person doing the good deed gets something good out of it. In the case of Friends, they feel better. So it's not selfless. But I'd make the case that in the case of thinking about ESG, yes, you're doing something good, but there's actually an economic payoff for you, which I thought was kind of interesting. And so well, the reason, sorry. Makes it, makes, it all, <laughs> makes it all worthwhile in the end. It does. You know, you, uh, you actually get to help and help yourself. So it's a, it's a two for one. How about that? I love it. Well, what I found so interesting is that, you know, of course, companies should help their employees, especially in these trying times, and many have, right? So solutions have ranged from offering apps like Headspace, free to employees, company-sponsored pizza lunch, delivered to doors. But besides being the right thing to do, it's also the smart thing to do. And that's because lower employee turnover means lower training costs. You have to bring a new employee up to speed. Not so with a current employee. Bringing somebody up to speed has efficiency costs. They're likely not getting as much done in their first 60 to 90 days as a current employee. Gosh, the, the costs to onboard a new employee are typically just astronomical. And so the more you can do to keep the ones you already have happy and engaged and satisfied, you know, not only helps drive uh, that engagement number that everybody's always looking for, but it helps also to lower cost, which ultimately shows up on the bottom line. Um, but what what... What does it really mean to do less bad when it comes to helping uh, employees feel less isolated, particularly when they're working from home? And so uh, to me, I kind of think of it in three ways. The first one is really talk to your employees and understand exactly what it is they need and what they want and listen and then act on those things. A lot of times employees complain of survey fatigue. And it's not because they get tired of being asked what they think. They get tired of telling people what they think, and then nobody do anything about it. And so this whole idea around understanding what your employees want um, is a powerful one. Um, in fact, my firm is, has run a global survey called, of all things, What Employees Want. And what we found was when we asked those employees what they're looking for from culture, what they're looking for from employee experience, uh, what they're looking for from communications, um, they're not shy. And they're very specific about the things that they think are important. And as it turns out, uh, most of those things uh, tend to be the types of things that increase productivity, that increase quality, that help drive you know, customer experience. And so not only is it what employees want, but it also impacts uh, the bottom line as well. And so rather than guessing at what those things are, take the time to ask your employees and find out exactly what it is that they want. And then, ta-da, actually give them those things. <laughs> wow, what a novel concept. Right, right. It's interesting that you say that because it reminds me that instead of throwing out what may be a solid employee benefits program in an effort to do more good, what if you simply take the benefits that you know employees value and you know they you value them because what you were just talking about, you've asked them, right? So right. you know that these benefits matter to them and they're meaningful. So why don't you make them even better? Why don't you help personalize them a little bit more? So it's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? It's this is how you can begin to do less bad. Take what's working and even make it better. 
And something that really jumped out at me, and again, it was in this, this article that we had referenced earlier about that I saw in Bloomberg, and German software giant SAP, they have over 100,000 employees across 180 countries. And one of the things that they discovered as employees had to shift to work to home during COVID-19 was how do we keep them connected? Now, many, many people, many companies have been wondering what's the best way to do this. Right. And one thing that they discovered, which absolutely makes sense once you see it in black and white, but, but workers who live alone feel less connected. And it makes sense because nobody's walking through their door at the end of the day. <laughs> That's right. There's nobody there to kind of check on them except maybe the dog. Not that the dogs don't count. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But if you have a dog who can say, hey, Jason, what's up? Let me know. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so what I thought was so great about what SAP did was they took activities and they use them to bring their, their employees even closer together. So for instance, they did a custom built Tinder app for connecting colleagues across lunch. And it was, you know, this app where you, you swipe left, you swipe right, you pick a person who you don't necessarily know, but you have something in common with her. You, you want to get to know them and you have lunch with them. So you meet a stranger has a wonderful benefit. They also did these wine tasting parties. They did virtual lunches. And I thought that they just went that extra step to not just do, oh, it's a regular Zoom lunch. No, this is a lunch with somebody you haven't met before. Right. Those are great. I think those are fantastic examples. You know, there's another one. There's a company called Team Building uh, here uh, in the States, in uh, Washington State. And uh, they've got a Slack app uh, that they call Donut. And one of the most favorite channels on that uh, Slack app is the call is called Random Mr. Rogers. And they call it that because you're getting to know your virtual neighbors. And so at the beginning and at the end of, of every week, Slack automatically pairs people at the company for a 30-minute video call. So it's random choice. Um, the app picks uh, from the employees, pairs them up together. Uh, they've got a 30-minute video call. And the best thing about it is on these calls, the only rule is that you aren't allowed to talk about work. You're not allowed to talk about projects. They just want people to get to know each other uh, across the enterprise. And that's just so fascinating to me because when you think about what life is like inside an office when you're actually at the office, you're not spending 100% of your time on work. You're taking breaks. You're chit-chatting with your coworkers about the weekend, about a movie, about a concert, whatever's going on. <clears throat> so you're not spending 100% of your day totally devoted to work. It Same thing's true when you're not in the office, and they recognize that and appreciate that. And not only that, you know, they are allowing for that kind of time and actually scheduling that kind of time to make those interactions happen. And um, no doubt that type of thing is, is leading to, you know, much higher satisfaction uh, and engagement for those employees uh, that are working from home. Wait a minute. You mean they had lunch or something similar and you are not allowed to talk about work? Yeah. How about that? What a novel concept. <laughs> is that sort of like being on a date? I don't know. I don't know if you would call it a date, um, but it's certainly not a, your normal work thing where it's perfectly fine. In fact, encouraged for people to get together on company time using company channels to talk about anything but company stuff. Wow. Now that right. is a novel concept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know how I would do in that. I'm sitting here thinking if, if I talk to you, oh, wait, I am talking to you on a podcast and we're not talking about work. 
we right? probably couldn't publish it, but never mind. That's exactly right. So um, I, there's probably a couple of other examples. Madeline, tell us one about uh, sort of values and culture and sort of being true to what your values and cultures are. That's the interesting thing about COVID-19, right? Because if, if anything, it's really brought to the forefront a company's values and cultures. And something being, you can't pay lip service to it. So if a value is really a value, if for instance, integrity is a value, then that means you have to trust your employees are doing that work. If you have constant check-ins throughout the day, if you even have remote surveillance, guess what? Integrity is probably not a value that actually is valued by the company. Yeah. Yeah. There was a study done actually a couple of weeks ago about that where uh, the organization asked employees uh, in, in a global study, what are your values and do you feel like those values are being lived out uh, every single day and every behavior and every decision? And there was a huge gap between what companies said they were going to do versus what they actually did. It's not surprising because it kind of goes hand in hand with what this is about, right? Do less bad. It's hard to do more good. It's You are going to find out a lot about yourself in the extreme situations. And no doubt COVID-19 is an extreme situation. But it is one where your true callers come out. Because one of the things that always strikes me as I read multiple articles about what's going on in the world today in workplaces there are wonderful examples of people coming around values of community, belonging, relationships, going out of their way to help others, to help customers, to help colleagues. And when you look back at the things and the behaviors that came out of this pandemic, maybe it turns out to be a time where you can also revisit values because it turns out that actually community is a huge value. And maybe that's what you want to invest in moving forward. Well, you know, a lot of times organizations are so hyper-focused on this uh, employee engagement number, and that's fine. We can debate the value of employee engagement surveys uh, until the cows come home. But the reality is, is that most employees feel most engaged when they feel completely connected to their direct leaders and managers and their teams. And so when they think about engagement, they're thinking about those who are immediately around them in their teams uh, and their leaders and managers who are helping helping them get their work done on a day-to-day basis. Do they care about the corporate vision, mission, and values? Of course they do. But where that really matters the most is in their day-to-day interactions with their teams uh, and their immediate managers and supervisors. And that's where things like uh, satisfaction uh, and retention show up. And no doubt, especially in these times where we don't have face-to-face contact, at least on a daily basis with our colleagues anymore, those those type of metrics are really going to pop. 100%. All right. Well, we've talked about the three things you should be thinking about for how you can do less bad when it comes to helping your employees thrive, especially in a COVID-19 environment. Given everything we've discussed, here are the three things to consider in order to start doing less bad when it comes to treating employees better. All right. So number one, talk to your employees. Really ask them what's working for them and what's not. Uh, when it comes to feeling connected uh, to their coworkers and colleagues around the company, uh, so many times uh, it's easy for HR and corp comms and other leaders just to make assumptions about that. But you know, the more you ask them and talk with them and find out those things, the easier it is to deliver uh, exactly what it is that they expect. And 
that's what you do for your customers, why wouldn't you do that for your employees? Number two, look at the benefits you offer that you know matter to employees and take this up a level. So don't just pair two strangers together. Let them find each other through a Tinder-like app and have lunch. A shared laugh, a potential friendship, those are all priceless. Number three, look at your values and culture. They will help guide you in creating meaningful connections among your physically distanced employees. If belonging, for instance, is a core value, then consider unexpected ways to bring your employees together. Those are great. Those are really good tips, and I hope everybody will... Take some of those to heart as you think about next steps for you, particularly uh, in making sure your employees who are working remotely are feeling connected. Um, and it's not just about, you know, the high-tech apps and platforms you're using. It's, it's the feeling of high touch uh, and making sure that uh, people truly feel connected in addition to being digitally connected. Well, thank you for listening to this uh, second episode of Do Less Bad. Of course, we'd love to hear your comments and continue the conversation on social. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are at do underscore less underscore bad. Uh, shoot us your questions, your comments. If you have any ideas for topics you want us to cover in future episodes, please put those there. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about, ta-da, ESG. We mentioned it earlier uh, on this episode, um, and I think it bears mentioning uh, and, and diving into a little bit deeper. Uh, it's a concept that uh, I've not uh, had a whole lot of experience with. Most of those other acronyms tend to be around CSR and some other things we might be a little more familiar with. But uh, for the folks on the financial side of your business, ESG is certainly an important concept. So we're going to take a little deeper dive on that next week. Madeline, anything you want to close with? As always, Jason, I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad. Bye, bye.